What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the show. I am Chris Chouse, and we we got a decently loaded room. There's three of us today. It's good, man. We got Chris. We got Kyle. What's up, boys? What's going on? It is a good size room. You know, it's uh, not too not too big. It's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You know, it's just right. I thought you were getting ready to like compare us like to the Three Bears. Like who would be who? Well, you you're automatically Goldilocks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. The locks yeah, are there. No, I was look. I was doing this to my face, and then I realized no one can see it. Nobody <laughs> so can it, see you. Man. Nobody can. See He's it. flossing his hair and his beard, and nobody can see what you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks beautiful, though. Dude, I need to get my hair cut. I was on vacation last week. Didn't get yes. didn't get my hair cut before I left, so now it's all over the place. So it's not looking great right now. But I tell you, I've got a nice caramel white mocha hue to my skin after not using any sunscreen down there in florida so i've i've darkened up a little bit i've got that tan back that goodness the mocha hue i think that's a new one write that that's down a, that's a new one meanwhile caramel and white I are mocha like pasty white yeah <laughs> yeah man my, my i'm just pasty as hell man i need to get some sun Boys, we got some news. We got some news to discuss, and this is the Alvin Kamara arrest after the Pro Bowl. What the hell is going on, man? So he finds himself in hot water. Reports indicate that Alvin Kamara was one of four men involved in an altercation of alleged battery, and which led to Kamara's arrest, records say. But, I mean, the victim was allegedly punched approximately nine times and stomped a whopping 23 times. And I mean, we we've heard Chris Carter talk many times before, you know, if you're in the NFL, you need that fall guy. And it's it's a good thing. You know, he, he's got four partners with him. So, I mean, what, what's going to happen here? What the hell's going on with Kamara? Vegas, man. Vegas is just chomping up athletes left and right right now. These football players need to watch themselves out there. But in all seriousness, hopefully the guy is all right, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I didn't hear anything about what type of injuries or anything like that. But man, these, it's just one of those things where, you know, as an NFL player, you got to just stop and think for a second. If you find yourself in one of those situations, you've got to pull yourself out of it, especially, you know, as a saint with all this crap going on with them right now. And they're just going to have probably a pretty crappy off season and needing new coaching staff and, going to probably be cutting guys and rebuilding that, you know, Kamara's going to be a centerpiece, you know, speaking from a purely football standpoint, if they thought about trading him, unless he mm. gets cleared quickly, that's not going to happen at any point in time. Um, and then even that, you know, is there going to be a suspension that comes with it? I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how this kind of plays out and exactly what happened. Yeah. With the, you know, the legal part of this, he could face anywhere from, I think they said one to five years in prison, you know, Whoa. Whoa. If convicted. And this is, I guess, fairly similar to the Kareem Hunt incident that happened years back. Maybe Kamara gets a similar suspension. Um, one thing that is against Kamara here is obviously not only the victim's testimony, but also the fact that they have surveillance footage mm, of the incident, say. which does show Kamara, you know, hitting the, the victim while he's up on, on, on his feet, but also when he was on the ground and unconscious. Um, 
And from what I had heard or what, what I had been reading is the altercation started because the victim said that one of Kamara's friends was ugly and it went off from there. And if one thing that I remember was, uh, I think it was Herm Edwards who said this. And he said, when I talk to future, you know, future NFL players, I always tell them nothing good happens after midnight or 1 a.m. And that's absolutely true because just about everything negative that we see in the NFL that happens off the field happens in the early mornings. And I mean, you, you have to have a much, I guess you could say better inner circle than what Kamara has, especially when your inner circle is involved in these sort of altercations. So it's not looking good for Kamara right now. You know, I want to play devil's advocate for a second because how many times we've seen, because I want to side with, with Kamara here saying that he was instigated. And, and I hate when this happens because we could see it for a number of things. Like even the, the Kareem Hunt one, okay? I'm not condoning the behavior, first of all. I'm just I'm saying the instigation is what gets these to the point of where they can't return from an action that because of the instigation. I don't know what happened. I don't know if Camaro, you know, and his buddies started something or or if they tried to finish it. And if 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 they tried to finish it, I think that's where the leeway should always be. It's like if, if they were the ones being instigated you know, there, there should be just probation and move on because to me, these guys bait all these players to get that bag. And we've seen, I remember way back, we saw T.O. go into a Starbucks and that guy just went off on him while he was getting into his car. And T.O. was like, okay, man, have a good day. See you later. And the guy just kept going and going while the video camera's rolling, trying to get some kind of reaction from T.O. And, and you know, more often than not, you want to believe that these guys are instigated into some kind of trouble because they carry the heavy dollars and they're going to have to settle if they throw one punch even right in defense so it, it sucks i'll play devil's advocate there, not knowing the entire situation and how it unfolded but i mean if that is the case it sucks man because i mean what, what's fair is fair you're instigating go back to the rules of when we grew up man you start instigating somebody he knocks you out cold you deserved it and then you go home yeah except we weren't ever worth you know 30 40 million dollars exactly <laughs> but with that being said i also think from the chimeras you know point of you know granted you know maybe i'm going to assume alcohol was involved so how you uh react to somebody you know instigating a fight is probably going to be a lot different than if you were sober and alcohol wasn't involved so at what point is alvin Kamara? do you think okay you know what? i'm gonna let this guy talk and say what he needs to say and i'm not going to react but of course once you have a few drinks in you you feel a little bit more confident and things get a little bit off the hinges yeah i mean we meet, we need more people like TO then who would have you know who yeah. would have thought I would say ever say that <laughs> who would have thought <laughs> but but yeah i mean that's what these guys have to learn i mean and you have to and you know Chaus, you bring up a good point you know it, you talk to somebody you get knocked out it is what it is that's how a lot of these guys have grown up that's how a lot of these guys uh, have lived a lifestyle they come from places where it's like that you start something with me we're I'm going to end it. And then we move on and it's over with. Um, and, and that's just kind of, you know, how they've grown up their thought process and their thinking. And when, when they get to this stage of their life, when they, you know, they're in the spotlight, making all this money, you know, national TV, especially a guy like Alvin Kamara, one of the most popular players in the NFL, you have to learn that can't do that like just walk away if you've got listen it if we roll up to a place if we roll up to a place and somebody's messing with one of us and one of us are like the the, the most you know 
newsworthy person, that mm-hmm. newsworthy person needs to walk away and the boys need to handle the mess after that. You right, know, that's fair. one of those things, you know, Kamar, and I'm not condoning the fighting sure. or anything by saying that either, but you know, if one of those, if you've got guys like that, if you're step, if you're standing up for one of your guys, if the other person, you know, truly did start it and they're the reason that it happened and they were talking and they felt disrespected and they felt something needed to be done. Kamara needs to remove himself from the situation and the boys, you know, the boys will take care of it after that, that that's what some of these guys just need to do. They just need to start putting themselves in, in better situations. And yeah, if there's alcohol involved and you're in your boys and you feel like you were disrespected, things are going to get heated. And, you know, you've just got that mentality where you got to stick up for yourself and your friends. But, you know, when you get to this stage, you, you, you got to just switch it a little bit. You got to find a way to flip that, flip that switch the other direction, just say, Guys, I'm going and getting in the car. I'm getting out of here. I can't. I can't take a chance. Yep. See, and it sucks because there's so much instigation happening, even like we see on Twitter. And and I mean, how many times have we gone on record defending these players? I mean, okay, yeah, we're not like, you know, hey, guys, but, you know, we go out there and we say, stop tagging players in your fantasy, you know, hatred. I saw one the other day on Jordan Poyer. So Jordan Poyer didn't make the Pro Bowl. I, the Pro Bowl is a sham anyway. We know this. I told you, get rid of the damn voting, et cetera. We'll talk about that one too. But I mean, the reason why I bring this up, Jordan Poyer doesn't make the Pro Bowl. He makes the AP All-Pro team as a, as a first team. And then uh, they put him as the 10th uh, MVP ballot. So he's on the, on the ballot for MVP as the 10th ranked player. One dude came on there and it was a Bills fan, man. He says, you know, stop worrying about the damn Pro Bowl and stop somebody in 13 seconds. You guys suck. And he starts going off on Jordan Poyer on Twitter. And I'm like, these are the type situations. If I'm Jordan Poyer, if I'm Alvin Kamara, and these are the battles that I got to deal with, man, eventually that shit's going to uh, raw deep and you're just going to knock somebody out. And uh, can I blame you? That's just, it's uh, leave people alone, man. These guys are professional athletes. What are you going after them for with your, with your keyboard warrior style? Yeah, I completely agree. And you see it all the time, you know, especially during the fantasy season, you know, it, it's somebody saying, well, you lost me this week or you lost me a championship. And it's like, well, you know what? They don't care about your fantasy team and they shouldn't. Their priority is about their family, their friends, their their teammates, everything else that's close around them. They don't give two shits about your fantasy team. So get over it. Get over it. You know who does care about your fantasy team? Everyone has an opinion. Everyone's an expert. Everyone's an expert. You got to love it. Speaking of experts, what are we thinking about this Pro Bowl, man? The two-hand touch. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, man. Like, Did Did you watch? No, I watched the first seven minutes of it, yeah. I didn't watch it all. Rem, I was out. I was out, and I came home, and I was like, "What the DFS. hell is this?" <laughs> I had I had props on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> DFS on the Pro Bowl, man. That's dedication. But, it, but I it's, mean, it's just like you said. Yeah, it it is. It, it turned into a two hand touch, and not even that. I mean, if you just brush, it's almost like flag football. You brush yeah. somebody, it, they're they're stopping the play. Um, I mean, there was an instance where I think it might have been the third quarter when I was watching the highlights afterwards, where Mac Jones was, you know, he was scrambling and. Let's all be honest. He was probably going to get through all six defenders anyway. So I don't know Mm. why they stopped the play, but he, you know, he got touched. That boy ran right into the end zone, broke down the gritty and just became a fan favorite. That's all I have to say about the Pro Bowl. Mac Jones. I'm so confused with this Pro Bowl. I really am. I'm on Dion's side because Dion went on Twitter and he put it on blast, you know, just like uh, Shannon Sharp did. And he's talking, you know, when we were the Pro Bowl, 
we were competing against best on best, great versus great. Uh, we went to Hawaii, and I think you know what, what part of this is moving it before the Super Bowl. They thought ratings would inc- improve. I thought it was always great after the Super Bowl because I wasn't done for the season to be over just yet. I wanted another week of football and the Pro Bowl. Even though, man, I remember back when Steve Young was playing in the Pro Bowl, they had like a 54-52 shootout, and it was glorious. It was like watching one of the better games in the league. Tackling was there. Yeah, they didn't have blitz and stuff, but they were out playing, man. And Dion said it right. He says, you know, we were out playing best versus best. What the hell did I just watch on the Pro Bowl? And I got to agree with him. I thought it was shit. The amount of Sean Taylor highlights that I've seen in right. the last week have been phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. players who actually go out and like you said, they try. There's effort. Um, I think having it after the Super Bowl would be great as well, because then you could have some of those elite players that were on the Super Bowl teams. You know, they might opt in and go ahead and do the Pro Bowl if it actually meant something. It doesn't mean anything for the players. Yes, they do get donations to the charities of their choice, which is absolutely awesome. Don't get me wrong there. But as fans, we're like, I mean, no wonder the ratings are crap. Nobody wants to watch, you know, a, a half-assed game of two-hand touch. Mm-hmm. It, it's a joke at this point. It's probably the worst all-star game. It's even worse than the NBA. At least the, the NBA, you still have the dunks and, the, you know, the shots and the passes and everything like that to kind of make yeah. it. A little bit more entertaining, but it is a joke at this. I would much rather have them do like a weekend skills competition and just that that's all it is. You know, we've seen these videos of, you know, back, you know, back when, you know, Manning and Brady were first in the league and some of these older guys that are out of the league now. Well, I mean, I guess they are out of the league now, but um, (laughs) the other guys who have been out of the league for a while, um, you know, you know, they have, you know, who can throw the ball the furthest. I mean, I think people would watch that. I thought the one that they did the other night where, you know, I the, the highlights I saw was Kirk Cousins and you had the two boards and you had the holes cut out and you had two DBs standing there trying to knock down the passes, mm-hmm. you know, that type of stuff. Maybe do like a flag football game and pick like six people to be captains or eight people to be captains and they draft guys and you play flag football against each other as part of it. You know, something like that would be a lot better than what we're seeing now. But the only problem is I understand why it has become what it is because there's just too much riding on injuries. You can't, Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's such a small, Yes, it used to be the best of the best versus each other, but it's it's such a small thing compared to what it could end up being. One of those offensive linemen tearing ACL, QB gets dropped on his shoulder weird and, and tears a labrum, you know, running back goes down, something like that. That messes up potentially an entire organization for a year for the pro bowl. So I understand why it's gotten to where it is. I, I wish they would sit down and try to figure out a way to make it better other than just moving the game. Cause it's just, I think playing the game is, is the issue. I think they got to find something other than I that. Agree. Yeah. And the one well, thing, one part of the skills challenge that they had this year, and I don't know if they've had it in years past that I really enjoyed watching was the NFL's uh, comparison to the dunk contest of the NBA, where it was, you know, who could have the, you know, the best catch, you know, and, and I thought that was a lot of fun. We mm-hmm. saw some really cool catches and some some creative, innovative ideas there. So I think if they could just expand on that, and like you said, Kyle, turn it into, instead of just one night, turn it into a weekend event. Even if it's just two days, do something that's going to spark your ratings because, I mean, at what point do, you know, are you going to really want to keep putting money into something that people just aren't going to watch? 
Three-point contest could be kicking field goals. Get the exactly. field, get the kickers involved, baby. The punters, I'm getting I'm getting sick of this it. dodgeball. Who what does dodgeball got to do with football? Like, come on, man. Keep it to the skills of your game. Like, I got this beautiful Andre Reed jersey behind me signed, and it says seven-time Pro Bowler. That's when it actually meant something, man. When you were in the Pro Bowl because of your stats, best of best, that's it. Get rid of this fan voting. I'm a fan and I don't like it. Get rid of the fan voting. Get rid of any kind of voting to get these players in. Like, come on, man. Jordan Poyer, Mika Hyde, not even in the Pro Bowl. No Bills defender in the Pro Bowl. Are you kidding me? Top ranked. I'm not even being a Bills homer. I'm just saying this does not correlate to being best on best. And then on top of it, you know, you play it before the Super Bowl. The guys in the bowl can't play in this game. So, I mean, I don't care if they get rid of it at this point. I'm of the opinion that you can just do it like the AP All-Pro. List it out and say these are your pro bowlers based on statistics and be done with it. Have a quick skills competition and then we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I remember way back then. It might have been in the mid 90s when Brett Favre beat out Drew Bledsoe in the longest throw competition. That's the that's and the those were good. They those were, were great. Yeah, those were great times. I didn't mind those. Yeah, we gotta get back to that. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. I don't Remember? want to talk about this. We got to talk about this. <laughs> I don't this want to talk what, about this. This is funny to me because, you know, remember you put out a tweet because me and Jake were jawing at each other. You know, who's better, Josh Allen or Kyler yeah. Murray? And we, he put it on blast on Twitter on the voting poll. And you know what? Now, Kyler, uh, what, yesterday he, t- he deletes everything from his Instagram and social media that has any brand awareness towards the Cardinals. Okay, so I've heard a couple stories that he's got a clothing line coming out potentially. That's why he's trying to create some buzz, and this is a good way to do it. He wants to potentially go play baseball. He wants to go to Tampa Bay because, you know, he wants to play with Mike Evans because that's the only picture on his IG. I mean, what, what are we thinking? Is this all for nothing or what, what's going on? It's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. I don't even think, like, he did it to – even purposely get anyone riled up. I don't know what, I don't know why he did it, but I don't think there was any negative negativity behind it. I mean, how many times do we see where someone says, Oh, this athlete deleted, deleted everything from their Instagram and 99.9% of the time it doesn't come to fruition. Yeah. And I, I will say that the coincidence is usually when they're in a contract year, they're looking for an extension and in the past, players have probably have used this as a quote unquote scare tactic to try to, you know, scare the their organization into, you know, getting more leverage into signing a long-term deal, whatever the case may be. Let's be honest, Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. Like the Cardinals are going to resign him. He's going to stay in Arizona. That's the end of it. And if, first of all, Kyler, if you're trying to do this to promote your clothing brand, look at Tom Brady. Brady hasn't deleted a single post. And his clothing, his new line, Brady, has been doing phenomenal. I actually bought one of his hoodies just the other day. This is the second time that Rim has <laughs> dropped. He pants, works for Tom Brady right flex. now. <laughs> you may you may or may not see me in their next line. Don't worry. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you got a job with Tom Brady. TB12 clothing line. I mean, if you do that, ask him if he'll come on the show and do an interview. Perfect. Sure. I we just have to get that restraining order lifted first. Yeah, we, we need that yeah. type of hype here, man. Come on. <laughs> so that's all you guys got on Kyler. There's nothing else. That's I was, it, I, was I was looking for more, man. You guys are just, you know, bunk right now. Come on. I don't know. I just, I don't let's just... say he wants a trade to like the New York Giants or the Seahawks. For Why Russell would I want to go to the Giants? Why know, did I, they I just, I just don't see, I don't see the Cardinals <laughs> giving up that, you know, giving up Kyler Murray to, I, know, I mean, they'd just, have to, they, they have so many other needs that they have to address right now. 
No, I'm just playing. I'm trying to cause something out of nothing, man. What about your boy, Joe Judge, going back? We had a conversation about this. Joe Judge goes back to the well, (laughs) and he goes with Bill Belichick. I mean, you guys are the best at recycling coaches, man. Yeah, we're we're good at at uh, at illusions, is what it is. Is making you know making our coordinators and assistants seem as though they are the next great thing out there. And let's be honest, world, they aren't. Okay, no one is going to be. There's not another Bill Belichick in the New England system. They're just it's it's not happening. Um, their greatest coordinators, don't get me wrong, there they can go to another team as a coordinator, absolutely. But as head coaches, when you look at the coordinators or the assistants from New England that have gone on to be head coaches, whether in college football or the NFL, currently only one of them actually has a winning record in the NFL, and that's Bill O'Brien. Everybody else is sub 500, so there just hasn't been any doesn't count. His No, 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 no. no. (laughs) He traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. That winning record he has wiped out. He he should should lose eight games just for that. His player cards revoke, man, because of that trade. Yeah, no, good, decent coach, but GM. Oh God, that was he was terrible. The fact that they allowed him to be a GM was absolutely terrible. Where's but, he? I mean, yeah, he's he's at Bama now, no? Yeah, he's the the OC over in Bama, and that was yeah. somebody that he's a name that the Patriots are looking at to fill the position that McDaniel's had. So I would like to welcome everyone back to Swag's Analogy Corner. <laughs> here okay, we so let's let's chat here. When put we kids, were young, put the kids to bed. Put the kids to bed. Turn, might it, not turn, get it, turn it on mute. Yeah. So when we were young, we did stupid things, right? Like, sure. yeah, mm-hmm. everybody, when we're young, we do stupid things. Okay. You've got, you've got your group of buddies and something happens and it's like, you see something on TV or you hear something, you know, on your favorite podcast or the radio or whatever, depending on how old you are. Um, and you want like, you're like, I want to like, I want to replicate that. That's so cool. You know, for me, back in the day and my idiot friends, we loved Jackass. And it's still around. Like, they just mm-hmm. came out with another video. Johnny mm-hmm. Knoxville looks like he should be using a walker very soon, <laughs> using AARP. I mean, when I, I mean, I was probably in middle school at the height of, like, the beginning of Jackass, okay? So we saw it. We thought it was hilarious. Watching it on MTV, so funny. And we tried to replicate some of the things because it was cool. It was funny to watch. We had the video camera out. We tried doing some of that stuff. And we found out pretty quickly it, it was dumb. Like, you shouldn't do those things. Like, it just doesn't work <laughs> out. Okay? it It's just not going to be good in any way, shape, or form. But we were like 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. And even after... You know, even after we collected all of the construction barrels we could and almost got caught by the police, you know, we thought we probably shouldn't do that anymore. And even after we took the Walmart shopping shopping carts for a little bit of a ride and, and accidentally crashed into a vehicle that wasn't ours. When those things happen, we were like, you know what? Probably not a good idea to do it anymore again. So let's stop. Okay. These grown ass men in the NFL can't figure out you got to stop hiring Patriots assistants because it's just not working out. Okay. I don't know why these guys keep getting together and saying, Hey, I want the next Bill Belichick. Let's go get the special freaking teams coordinator from the New England Patriots because he's going to be the next Bill Belichick. Let's go, Joe Judge. Here's a job. Here's a job. 
hey, Josh McDaniels, you already got one shot in Denver. You screwed that up, huh? Drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. Congratulations. Well, let's give him another shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill O'Brien, I mean, uh, again, we're wiping out his record, okay? And don't even get me started on Matt Patricia, all right? Because that dude just... That that's that hurts for you. He was yeah. more interested in the G- Detroit style pizza they had there than creating a better defense. So listen, we the NFL needs to get together and they need they need to realize they're they're being jackasses. Okay. You take you can take, okay, you can take the man out of New England, but you can't take New England out of New England. It's just not mm. happening. All these teams try to replicate what's been done in New England. You can't do it. You don't have Bill Belichick. You don't have Tom Brady. You don't have these things. Stop trying to make it happen. Okay. It's like that. It's like that movie. Mean Girls. You guys watch that when they try to make fetch a thing. Fetch is never going to be a thing. It's never a thing. It's never a thing. New England. The next New England. Never going to be a thing. I like it. I like it because it's true. Right. But let's let's talk about your Detroit Lions for a minute. No. You know, you don't you don't come on enough to talk about talk your Lions. About we them. we're always spewing the Bills and the Patriots. Let's discuss these Detroit Lions right now and where you see path forward. Because you know, I went on a show with a Detroit Lions fan where he was actually pretty excited about Dan Campbell. And you know how he quoted? He said, "I want something now because, like you're saying, the Patriot way." We're trying to always get the Patriot way. He says, I want the Detroit way. And I found that to be interesting because, the you know Detroit what, at least, way. at least, for, hey, man, you're on what ground. Is, what is the Detroit way? Exactly. You're on ground zero. You're on the bottom floor. You can create the Detroit way any which way you want. And if that's biting kneecaps off, you know what? You got to give it to this guy. He got them to play lights out every single week on such a shit roster you know they were in every single game believe it or not and and i they were okay to watch i thought they were going to be a dump fire he got them ready to go maybe that's the detroit way i will say that they did play a lot better at the end of the season than i had anticipated and they did play harder throughout the entire season than i did anticipate i mean there were several games during the season that they were in. They were actually in those games. The problem I have with Dan Campbell is that he he's not a head coach to me. He is he's too much of a rah-rah cheerleader. And that's what his strengths are. And that's good for some people. And is it good for a head coach? In some instances, yes. But when that is your main strength, to me, that's not enough. Now, it does one thing I do anticipate happening. Now, he took over play calling duties. He took it away from Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn obviously done at this point. I think he's going to keep it again next year. I don't know if that's the best decision. He reminds me of and i'm going to attribute this to another team that i'm closely related to not really related but i follow the michigan wolverines Mm -hmm. and that would be several years ago when they hired a man by the name of brady hoke now one of the running jokes in college football at the time was that brady hoke doesn't wear a headset and he didn't he was like the only head coach in college football that didn't wear a headset and he said it was because he wanted to have those interactions with his players. He wanted to be able to go talk to them 
And he wanted to let his coaching staff do what his coaching staff needed to do. To me, I was like, wait a second, hold on. Now he had a good successful first year, won the sugar bowl, but then it just went all downhill after that. He's, it's, he's just not a, a head coach at that level. A head coach has to have so many different things going on. A head coach has to be able to intervene at any point in time. Yes, you hire coordinators. And for me personally, I think coordinators should be hired to call plays. I don't think head coaches should be calling plays. But head coaches should be inserting themselves when it needs to be done. Does something need to be changed? Are you seeing something on the field where this is not working? This does not look good right now. We got to figure something out. Do you see something on one side of the ball where you're like, oh, wait a second. We got to make this change here because I'm spying this and letting your coordinator know you got to be able to do those things. And Dan Campbell to me is just not that guy. He's just not that guy. He's brings great energy. He does a lot for the team in terms of getting them psyched up and ready to play. And he's a, a player's coach, but to me, he just doesn't have enough. I don't, I don't want to be a dude on a podcast saying that an NFL head coach doesn't have enough football intelligence <laughs> to be able to be a head coach. I don't want to be that guy. Ouch. But I just, I don't think that he, I don't think he works at that level. I don't think that he is able to intervene as a head coach and make those decisions that need to be made. I, I, I just don't. Now, I am willing to give him more time because obviously, again, the team overperformed at the end of the season, played very well. Um, as a whole, all season long, they, they were you know in a lot of games that they probably should have never been in. Um, so I'm willing you know to give him a couple more years at this point, but I, I just, I don't know. I mean, short haul wise, Maybe a 500. I don't think he's a Super Bowl head coach, though. I don't think he's a playoff head coach, though. I, I just don't think he is. Wait for me, Chelsea, because I got I'm, wait, I'm waiting got... on you. You got anything for this guy or what? I mean, so the best comparison I can I can make with Dan Campbell is kind of what I've seen over the last couple of years with Robert Sala. You know, when Sala was with the 49ers, he was he was that rah rah. He was going to pump up the team. Great coordinator. I don't see him translating that. And I didn't really see much of that translating with his first year with the Jets. Granted, first year with the Jets for him, first year with the Lions, with Campbell. I'd like to see how things go. But I think these guys are more suitable for coordinator positions and not necessarily the head coach because like Kyle said, you have to wear so many different hats. I I just don't know if they're able to handle that. But that's we'll, we'll see what happens there. But again, it's just on a roster that has so many areas of opportunity. It's like, where do you start? How much of a window do you have? Do you give yourselves and how much of a leash are you actually going to give Dan Campbell before you say, okay, we're going to move on to the next guy, even though you spent the last three years, you know, helping to acquire the right pieces that we need for this team. Yeah. And I don't, I don't hate Salah over uh, Campbell. I think personally. that's a good comparison too, by the it way. It is. And because they are the motivator type of, uh, of coach, but I would take a Salah over Campbell any day, but I'm just, I'm perusing this. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I wanted you to talk. I'm perusing this depth chart that Detroit has right now. And I, I oh, don't, you wanted me as a filler is what you're saying. I you didn't did really because I had opinion. to do, I had to do a quick study here on this and I wanted to bash your opinion as we go. So that's just how it goes. <laughs> Jared Goff. Okay. He's, to me, can you really continue to move forward with Jared Goff? No. He needs is to be he... the QB for the next two years, though? There's At... Sure, and I get they, it. If yeah. they use a first-round pick on a freaking quarterback this year, I swear to God I'm going to be more upset than TJ Hawkinson. 
I would be too, because these guys are not pro ready unless it is a Sam Howell. If it's Sam Howell, then I I'm okay with it. But even at number two, I don't want that at number two. You guys yeah, got to go two. build around. No, if, well, if you're you taking Howell, two, they have the go 31st back. pick or 30, 30th, depending right. on what the Rams do in the Super Bowl. And right. I've seen a lot of mock mock drafts where there a lot of people think they're going to go quarterback there. I get it, but I, I would rather just go with Jared Goff another year and continue to get those pieces around him. He's still young. Yeah, he's not the greatest. He's, I mean, yeah, he's been to a Super Bowl, but he's not going to light it up or anything like that. But he's young enough at this point, just continue to use him, build those other spots. And then maybe next year when there's a much better class coming out of quarterbacks, maybe a couple of years. I don't. I, I would. Ra- I would rather see Jared Goff as the quarterback for the next three years than watch them try to take one of these guys in this year's draft and make them into the starter within two years. Because if that's the case, why didn't you just freaking pick the quarterback last year out of last year's class? Mm-hmm. Very true. And I mean, for me, Goff is your standard right now. I'm okay with him still being your fill-in. You got DeAndre Swift. That's fantastic. You got Amon Ross St. Brown. I was pumping up this mother in the offseason like madman. I comped him as a, as a lesser Robert Woods. I'm going to pat myself on the back because it's victory lap time, baby. And you got pieces. You have pieces on this offense that you can start to build around TJ Hawkins and forgetting about him. He needs to up his game. I don't know what happened to him last year, the injuries, whatever. I mean, I want to see more out of him and maybe it's coming. Your defense, man, is not bad. You still got Brockers. Does he want to be there? I don't know. But I mean, your defensive secondary has pieces to, to work with. Is it great? No, but I don't hate the the first foundation you guys have. And as long as you continue to build in the right way and not draft three wide receivers in three consecutive years that don't pan out besides Calvin Johnson, you got to start building. And I, when is your time? I guess I'm just, I'm, my whole point is when the hell is your time? Your Detroit Lions. Cause it's, I thought it was the frustrating. There won't me. be a time <laughs> at this point. If, if I had to guess when they would be playoff ready, not this year, I don't think though. I I don't think they'll. Let me rephrase that. Let well, me Aaron Rodgers could be gone if they have a really really good draft, and they make some moves in free agency for the defense, and some guys like Jeff Okuda who has underperformed and been hurt. If he steps up and finally pans out, if you see Aaron Rodgers leave, if you see Devontae Adams leave, if for some reason Kirk Cousins moves on from Minnesota. Chicago, you know, obviously they might make their way back this year with a much better, you know, hopefully head coach. Um, I think it, it gets a lot easier for them than it does get more difficult. But, but if I really had to guess, I would say they're probably two years away from being kind of playoff caliber still at this point. I think they need two more drafts to really establish what they're what they're building at this point because they just don't they don't have enough guys to create pressure and they don't have enough guys to stack up against the the better wide receivers in the league so and I think they they really got to do that on defense I think on offense they're they're a lot closer at this point offensive line is super solid you've got Hawkinson you've got Swift Jamal Williams was a two-year deal right he'll still be there this year so I mean he'll still be around this year which which will be good from a football standpoint, not fantasy. Um, so I, I still I still think they just need to they gotta 
they got to really kill the next two drafts. They've got two first round picks this year. They're going to have two first round picks next year, knock all four of those out of the park. And then in year three playoffs. And if they're not, then it's just, it's back to square one again, looking for a new freaking head coach guys that you just drafted are going to be ready to head out the door. And it's just, it is what it is. It's it's the lions. Yeah. And I was actually just, while you were, you're talking, I was just looking at the cap space. You guys are going to have, you know, for 2022 and you guys will have about $25 million in cap space, depending on, you know, expiring contracts and, and which isn't, which isn't bad. It's enough money to work around with. You can always restructure contracts and with, with the, the type of talent that we have in this free agent class, you know, like you said, if you can nail those for those two first round picks this year, maybe grab a player or two in free agency, then that's really just continuing what you've been doing throughout the draft the last couple of years. And that's why I don't want to take a quarterback in the first round, because I want mm-hmm. them to draft the best players available because you have so many needs Fair. go with best player available at this point. Drafting, if you draft a quarterback at the end of the first round, I guarantee there are 30 players behind him that will have more successful NFL careers at that point or have higher ceilings at that point. That's how much I think of this QB class this year. It's just going to take way too long. They're going to have to be in the right situations. They're going to have to be with the right coaching staff to grow uh, and get to that point. Just don't draft for that. Draft the best players available. Help fill those holes get the best athletes on this team, the best players possible. And then in free agency, then fill those different kinds of needs that you, that you have to go with at that point, go get those young studs, get them on this team, then get winning that way. I agree. And I mean, I think, what are you doing at number two? You want Thibodeau or you want your boy Hutchinson? I like both of them a lot. So do I. So do I. I like both of them. And, and I, and I think on Twitter at one point, I kind of, slice and diced a little bit and I really picked my words carefully because I knew if I said what I wanted to say people are going to be like you don't like tip no it's got nothing to do with Thibodeau absolutely (laughs) nothing I think he is a fantastic player I think he's going to be a really really good player in the NFL the one thing that I'm really kind of giving the edge to Hutchinson at this point is his football IQ this dude does things on the defensive line that just no defensive player does. It's like he always knows what is going to happen next. He, I mean, it, it's like you, even though they got blown out by Georgia, there were certain plays against Georgia where it was like normally a defensive lineman has got his ears pinned and he's going there and you could see him take a step and then realize like the game is just slow for him. Like the game slows down and he realizes the play that's happening and he makes an adjustment so quickly. And that's why I got him over Thibodeau because I just believe that he has a little bit more of that higher football IQ and can do, do some more of those things. Um, I mean, we saw it at Michigan. He's very versatile. He can put his hand in the ground. He could play a four, three, he could play a three, four and stand up on the outside. If he really needed to, he did it all the time. So, I mean, him and, you know, Thibodeau doesn't have that over him. Cause I know that, you know, that's something that he could do as well. You know, the one thing I, I worry about with Thibodeau is, is he going to be like Jadavian Clowney? Is he going right. to be a guy that's a pin your ears back, just straight QB rusher. I mean, that's what you got him there for. That's what he's going to do. Like, you know, Julius Peppers esque where it's pin your ears back, get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback, or is he going to be one of those guys 
that has, you know, enough to stop himself and contain the run and help when he needs to. If he does stand up at any point in time and they're not just bringing him, can they do different things with him, you know, as a linebacker if they need to? That's my only concern about him, honestly. I like Hutch in the respect that you can put him on the ground more than Thibodeau, in my opinion. I think I think if you're Detroit, um, you do want that guy who can multitask, who can stop the run over being the true edge presence. And I'm not saying that Thibodeau is not going to round out his game, but he could end up being like, um, I don't even have a comp for him right now. But if you're talking just your stand-up edge rusher, he's going to be great in the NFL. He's got the ability. He's got the skills. Very, very similar. Absolutely. I I don't hate that comp at all. And and I mean, are you going to get a whole heck of a lot out of him in, in pass defense. I mean, it's debatable at this point, but if I'm drafting you at number two, I want a difference maker on that line that I haven't had in God knows how long. I mean, really the last real dominating force you had was Sue. And I mean, he was the nose. You didn't really, when what the hell was your last defensive end that really give me a name because I'm, I'm really lost at this point of your last true defensive end that you guys have had Uh Porter. Okay. Like in the nineties, what was yeah. his first name? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, um, I, I know who you're talking about, but I mean, man, you guys have been uh, suffering on this line too for years, F, man. Now I gotta look this up. Look it up. No, not some, Porter. Robert... You got some Detroit love, Chris? <laughs> I, He's like me. Can we stop talking about Detroit already? <laughs> I don't know. I have no. I mean. I don't know what else we can say about Detroit. Robert Porsche. There you go. And that wasn't even that great. And his career with 95 and a half sacks, all with the Detroit Lions. That's right. I don't, I I feel sorry for you, man. Send Kyle some love on Twitter, man. Give him some virtual hugs because as we talk about this, this is, this is sad. I thought I was, you know, hurt feelings for 20 years. You, you have been suffering. It's, I mean, it's, it's just what they do at this point. We're, we're used to it. See how He's Rem's quiet there. over there because he's just, yeah, so you, want, you want to talk about my last 20 years. Shut up. Oh, Shut oh, up. Rem. Go fuck, go fuck <laughs> yourself. You go to hell. <laughs> you can say it, man. We're explicit here, man. Go fuck yourself. But uh, Mike McDaniel, he is hired. I want to talk about this man for a little bit. He's hired by the Miami Dolphins. Am I the only there. one that really likes this? I, oh, I love, love this. it. And okay. that's why I love I'm, this for Jalen Waddle. Okay. Huge. I'm so excited because McDaniel's going to be, um, you know, running his version of the Kyle Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, you couldn't get my chub any any higher of, in growth potential because Jalen Waddle in this offense even Tua, see what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Tua is better than Garoppolo. I think they get a good run game in this in this Miami Dolphins team. And I'm not a, I'm not sold on Gaskin. I still got a soft spot for uh, Ahmad, but I mean he's not the answer. You get Miami a true running back, three down guy. Even Duke Johnson was doing well. I'd be okay with that. But give him a three down guy. You freaking have now the potential that we saw with Debo, not necessarily up the middle with the, you know, through the tackles running in the jet sweeps, but you're talking Tyreek Hill sweeps, little short dump passes from the backfield. Get ready for Jalen Waddle season. And he already had what, 100 receptions plus last year. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he already set the, the rookie record for, for that. And then, like you just said, I mean, that's exactly where I was going with this was a, 
a Debo Samuel light version because he doesn't have the frame to, you know, run up the middle and take those kind of hits. I don't think, but he does have the speed and the quickness to get around the edge and to really make something special of what he can do. Remember a few weeks ago in the pod, we were talking, Jake said, I got some homework for you guys. You know, who's the next player in fantasy that could potentially be a Debo esque type of player. We all pretty much were in unison when we said Jalen Waddle. I mean, this would be a great role for him to get him more touches, to be involved a lot more in this offense. And I think that McDaniel is the guy that could absolutely make this happen for them. I mean, this is a guy too. And you know, you've heard me talk about Sean McVay and his khakis on here before. <laughs> I mean, I feel about the same way. Let, let me rephrase that. I feel the same way about Kyle Shanahan's football mind that I do about Sean McVay's khakis. Okay. Nice, nice, That's nice. the kind of wood well I scored over here when I think about that. All right. So, <laughs> and Mike McDaniel has been around the Shanahan family his entire life. I mean, he was in, he was uh, hired in 2005 by Mike Shanahan when he coached in Denver. He's mm -hmm. also, been an offensive assistant under Gary Kubiak, which is really, really, you know, that's another mind there. That's good to pick on the offensive side of the ball. I did another stint with Mike Shanahan, did a stint in Cleveland with Kyle Shanahan when Patine was the coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been, was he, was he in Atlanta at all with the, he with was Shanahan? when they went to okay. the Super Bowl. Yep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, he has been around now, obviously, uh, was he only the offensive coordinator this year? Yeah. So he was only yes, the offensive yes. coordinator this year. So he hasn't had like that, that long standing, like type of higher up position, but he's been around Kyle Shanahan and the Shanahan's his entire freaking life. So if he's obviously going to bring as much as he has possibly learned from that family as possible. And he's been around some other guys too, that are good offensive minds that, that have, you know, had some success on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for that creativity. And I think it's going to help Tua. Like I I'm excited for this move for Tua and even like listening. Did you guys see the clip on Twitter of him and Tua talking? Mm. No. Okay. So there he was on the plane and I think he was talking to Tua on the phone um, and he was like, you're my guy, like you and I, we're going to ride or die together. He's like, you know, I'm going to have to earn your trust. I guarantee you that I'm going to do that. He's like, but I'm excited to be working with you. You're the exact type of guy I want as my quarterback. Like he said, all the right things. And we've had the last, you know, two years of basically, are they going to trade that pick? Are they going to trade two? Are they going to bring in Deshaun Watson? Are they going to do this? It's like never being fully committed to the kid. And now you hear that from this new head coach. Mm -hmm. uh, it's time to walk away from that. It's time to walk away from all of this. You know, are they going to bring in Deshaun Watson? Are they going to bring in somebody else? Are they going to, if, if he's saying that to Tua right now already, do you know what kind of crap he would get in the locker room? If they go out and they all of a sudden trade Tua in a few weeks, for some reason, they, people would absolutely light him the hell up. I don't think it's going to happen. Tua is the guy Tua can settle in now, become that quarterback. He's right. two years uh, removed from the devastating injury. He's got a full healthy year under his belt. Semi-healthy. He got beat up a couple of times last year. I, I'm excited for this entire offense. Now, unfortunately, it came because Brian Flores got, got axed. And I don't think that that was the correct move. Um, but I, you know, I, I think on the offensive side of the ball, this, this will help quite a bit. Uh, and I'm excited for it. I think he's going to be one of the better young head coaches that we see coming up now. 
you know, if we remove the Brian Flores, everything drama behind it and saying why he got fired, if we honestly sit and say, just just stay with me because I'm not trying to bash Brian Flores whatsoever. I'm saying if we're talking about what this Miami Dolphins team needed, and I, I think it's an offensive mind. That, that's kind of where I'm going because you have power weapons on the offense. The defense could almost be the way that they're built already. You add some more pieces. They can almost be on autopilot, especially, especially in that secondary. Okay. You got Hollis, you got uh, Jones and you got uh, Xavier Howard. These guys, man, that's autopilot, you know, turn it on cruise control. They know what they're doing. You need a look at Tua. I feel so bad for Tua in his development overall since he's been in the NFL. He has been benched by Flores. He has been put back in by Flores. You know, the the mismanagement is what I didn't like when it came to Flores coaching style when it came to Tua. And and I think he really ruined his confidence. We know how many quarterbacks that had uh, elite level talent and skill completely railroaded by a horrible coaching. Adam Gase, for example. I mean, you you talk about guys that completely ruin quarterbacks because they mismanage the entire fabric of the situation. Tua needs a guy, and it, it could have been any guy, but because McDaniel is an offensive, you know, under tutelage of the tree of Shanahan, you know, he's gonna bring this confidence and. Sw- Swagger in. If you can do this shit with Jimmy G, imagine what you can do with uh, with Tua Tagovailoa because of the things you're going to be able to to manufacture. I love it. I think they add more pieces to that O line. You get get Devonte Parker out already. We already know what this is. Get him a reliable secondary wide receiver. You know, get him a good running back, and then see what Tua can do. He's not terrible. He's to me, he's like in that above average category where we kind of place a Baker Mayfield. But I even give the edge to Tua in that category to lift the team to another level. Yeah, and one thing too about Flores is I don't necessarily think he mismanaged the situation because he's not a good enough head coach. I just sure. think he's such a defensive minded coach. That's right. That he probably tried to take over that situation when he should have let somebody else maybe handle. What do we do? What don't we do? How do we, how do we kind of do this? Um, so it, that's, that's kind of my thought process with that. Um, but you know, whenever you have a young, I'm, I'm always worried about young quarterbacks on teams with defensive minded head coaches. Cause it just, it, it just feels like, and nothing against defensive coaches, but it just feels like when you're number, when you spend a high pick on a quarterback or when you bring in that type of talent, the number one priority, especially in today's NFL is making that quarterback the best possible player that you can. And when you have a defensive minded head coach, I just feel like sometimes they don't necessarily understand that the way an offensive minded head coach would. So, you know, to see them bring in, and I think that they realize that I think the Miami dolphins realize, okay, we need to invest in a guy that's going to invest in Tua. And, and yes, there might still can continue to be some Deshaun Watson or somebody else talk or Aaron Rodgers or whoever in the hell they want to talk about trying to get, uh, but I think bringing in a guy like this shows what type of a dedication they're now saying, okay, this is what we're going to give to We're going to give him the tools around him to make him better. And we're going to win with this guy. He spent a fifth overall pick on him. He was, he would have been, I love Joey B love him. If Tua hadn't gotten hurt, he would have been the number one pick. I'm sorry. 100%. There's, there's, 100%. 
Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have been the number one pick if he had not gotten hurt. So for people to say that he's a bust now, it's hard for me to follow that, that type of thought process. I agree. I think with, with the dolphins, when you spend a, such a high draft pick on a quarterback, who's going to be the face of your franchise, you need an offensive minded coach. That's going to help develop and really build this guy up. And unfortunately, Flores just doesn't have that background that he wasn't the guy that was going to do that. So, you know, while as much as I liked Flores and I thought he was a very good head coach and I think he would be a good head coach in the future, it needs to be for a team that has an already established quarterback that doesn't need that growth and that learning. And I think that with with Mike McDaniel in there now, though, unfortunately, it's, you know, kind of behind the eight ball a little bit, but I do think he's going to really kind of catch things up a bit and get to it to where he needs to be over the next few years. Yeah, man, because you know where I can put this? We don't see it very often where a defensive-minded head coach comes and helps a young quarterback. You know who did it? The Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott is a defensive coordinator, and they brought in Brian. They had a different offensive coordinator, got him out, brought Brian Dable in, and look what they did. Between him and Ken Dorsey and then Josh Allen going with that Palmer guy in the offseason, completely changed all. This is what you need to do. If you're an intelligent, any any person, I'm not even going to say a coach. If you're an intelligent-minded individual, notice your weaknesses and get people around you who have those strengths that you don't have. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that, man. Stop eating your pride like it's on top level. Bite that pride and bring in the people because guess what? Everybody can sit at the table and eat together and get nice and fat because you know what? You're all winning. And and I just I, I don't understand the, the philosophy of this me-me shit. Come together, man. If you don't have the skill set, bring somebody in that freaking does, man. Like, I can't drink beers like Rem. That's why we bring him in here, man. He's drinking beers, and Kyle doesn't even drink, man. You see what I'm saying? I'm like the average drinker, Chris the Heavy, and, you know, Kyle's the nun. This is this is how we balance each other out, you see? Um, Speaking Shit. about dinner, are, are donuts on that, that menu? Because we were talking about donuts earlier. Donuts are there. It's because Barry Sanders put on some pounds, man. That Barry Sanders picture was like the epitome of, of dad bod. Like he it really was. He doesn't look like an NFL, an old NFL running back. He looks like a dude that's just been a dad in his entire life. And he deserves it's, it's it, so man. Funny. It's like oh. that meme. It, like when I saw that picture of Barry Sanders, it, I could have had a meme that says, I'm going to tell my kids that this was one of the greatest running backs of all time. <laughs> yeah, he, he deserves it. Good for him, man. Eat up, Barry. You know, you ate in the NFL for long enough, man. It's time to let yourself go. But we he do ate a lot of kneecaps. He a ate a ton of kneecaps after he retired. I tell you, man. We got Super Bowl Sunday, boys. Let's finish this thing off on the Super Bowl. And I mean, the Bengals and the Rams. What the hell Super Bowl is it? 56? Is that what it is? LVI. Yeah, stop I keep... using Roman numerals. I know, man. I'm getting yeah. confused already. They, stopped... they need to stop using the Lombardi trophy and the logo. That's where it all went downhill. Yeah, man. I just, I'm, I'm so confused, man. Okay, 56. We got the Bengals. We got the Rams. This is interesting. I mean, I only see this game going two ways. The Rams blow them out or it's it's a shootout back and forth. That's, that's the only way I see this happening. I don't see the Rams or the, the Bengals blowing out the Rams by any stretch. And and we've seen how the Bengals operate. They are that second half team. So how many points is too many points to give up in that first half? And, and that's what worries me about this defense. Is this stage too high for Burrow? Hell no. He's been to the natty. He understands what this is. And to me, he's that Joe cool, you know, he's calm collected. He can do it all. It's a, it's a very interesting matchup when you look at it all on paper 
when you're talking D line for the Rams versus the O line of the Bengals, I am I am fearful for Joe Burrow's life, man. Yeah, and I mentioned that when I did my videos this week because the videos I did this week, instead of doing like one breakdown, it was more of what do the Bengals have to do to win? What do the Rams have to do to win? And in the Bengals one, you know, I said they I mentioned exactly what you said. They're a second half team like that defense. Like it feels like it takes them a little bit of time to get going. They're like the fat kid, right? Like he doesn't get going really fast to begin with, but he gets that momentum going. Dude's going to be rolling and he's good when, you know, a few meters down the road. Okay. So that they can't do that in this game. I do think Joe Burrow having that coolness, that collectiveness, that calmness, that's going to spread to everybody. They're going to look to him. They're going to see how he's handling the moment. And I think they're going to handle it the same way. I think this is going to be a game that is very close for at least halftime, maybe through the third quarter. And then we see that Rams team just finally wear down that Bengals offensive line in the second half. Um, And then that's when they start getting to Burrow quite often. I mean, they gave up nine sacks to the Titans, you know, three weeks ago. Mm, And and the Titans, they've played very well this year, but – I'll tell you what, Nine, the Rams man. are a completely different beast when it comes to plant pass rushers. So you get Donald Floyd. I mean, these guys are just going to be absolutely coming after him. Von Miller there now, Von, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. it just to me, I mean, if the Bengals were to win, great. Love the Bengals, love Mixon, love Burrow, love Chase. Uh, you know, we talked about Zach Taylor a few weeks ago. We, you know, we both like Zach Taylor. Um, you know, we questioned him a little bit, <laughs> questioned him a little bit. Um, but you know, if they win, that's awesome. Great for Cincinnati. Great for that organization. I'm not going to be upset at all. I want Stafford to get his ring though. I want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want him to get his ring. So when it's all said and done, it's not a Dan Marino type of conversation where it's like mm-hmm. this dude had all these stats and all these numbers. I mean, the pace that he's on, I mean, he's he's going to break some of these records if he were to play long enough. Now, because of the back issues, I don't think he will. So I don't think he'll end up breaking some of these records. But he's going to be, if he gets this ring, he can be in the conversation when it's all said and done as one of the best quarterbacks of all time, I think. I want to see him get his ring. I think that defense is going to wear down to the offensive line. They're not going to be able to stop him. I think it's going to be a shootout for a majority of the game. That defense takes over in the fourth quarter, though. Rams, you know, they get down the field, score a touchdown or two in that fourth quarter, and they end up running away with it at the end. Yeah, for me, it's going to be, you know, how fast can the Bengals offense get started? Because both of these teams have played three games so far in the playoffs. Two of those three games, the Bengals have failed to score more than 10 points in the first half. Mm -hmm. The Rams, on the other hand, in two of those three games have scored at least 20 points in the first half. Yeah. So for me, it's going to be also, you know, the, the defense and offensive lines, both teams are great at getting after the quarterback. They both have like 30 plus percent uh, pressure rates against, against the quarterback. The thing that the big difference though, is the offensive line. The Rams have a much better offensive line than the Bengals do. I'm interested to see with Andrew Whitworth's injury, how that's going to play out throughout the week. If he's going to be healthy enough to play, obviously, if not, it's going to be a big blow to the Rams, but the Rams as a whole have a much stronger offensive line. And I know that the Bengals have a great pass rush. You know, you have Hendrickson, you have Hubbard. Those are two of their main guys right there rushing the quarterback. Uh, But I just don't know if I trust this offense enough to 
play catch up like they have been all playoffs and try to make that, you know, that last minute heroic play from Joey, Joey B or my boy, Evan McPherson, who probably could be the MVP of the Super Bowl if the Bengals win. Yeah, and I, I mean, think I think one of the biggest issues, too, uh, is that the Rams can very easily make the Bengals a one dimensional team. I mean, just yeah, like yep. that. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see Mixon blow up and have a big game, but that offensive line is not going to be able to contain the Rams defense enough to 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 spring Mixon. I mean, we've seen the Rams defense give up a few big runs here and there throughout the season. So maybe Mixon gets one somewhere here or there or a couple of them. Uh, but unfortunately, I just don't think there's going to be enough room for him. I said I, I in my videos, I said I thought he got, gets about 15 carries. And, and that's going to be it because they're just not going to be able to hand the ball off to him as as much as they would like to to stay as, as a two dimensional team. And then if you do that, you can try to clamp down Jamar Chase, you know, put a safety over the top on him. So he's not springing any big plays. And then at that point, Ramsey's, you know, hovering around T Higgins or he's hovering around uh, Tyler Boyd a little bit. And then at that point, really, you know, who are you going to? Are you going to get even more one dimensional? Now you have to go to one wide receiver because everybody else is just locked down at that point. It's just I, it's going to be tough. I, could they do it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not counting them out of it, um, but it's just it's going to be tough. So how yeah, I think it's going to come down to the first half. They it, the first half could very well determine what happens in that game, because either the Bengals keep it close. And if they can keep it close in the first half, they have a chance to win, but they have to be able to contain that Rams offense. And if they can't, then shit could get ugly really, really fast. See, and I love that you brought up the run game because I don't feel that Mixon's going to be able to run either. So if, if Taylor is smart, he's going to go to the well and he's going to do recreation of the run game through screens and short dumps and yes. checkdowns right away. I mean, start it off by, you know, a couple runs here or there. You got to keep the defense honest, completely understand. But where I see the Bengals' strength is in this wide receiver core versus the Rams' defensive backs. Yes, you got Jalen Ramsey, but he did prove he is human after all getting beat in the Tampa Bay game. I'm not saying that he's not going to shut down for majority of the game. However, Chase Boyd and Higgins, you can do damage here on this defensive back end. Obviously, all that uh, inadequacy outside of Ramsey on the defensive back end is masked by all that uh, crazy pass rush that they do have. So he's going to have to do timing routes. He's going to have to do the quick slants, the bubble screens. You're not going to get a lot of chances to go deep versus defense. So now what that's and, and you know that Sean McVay and his defensive coordinators are going to be understanding that they are going to want to go short. But the minute that they pinch up a little bit, now you got your deep shot. Now Joey B can take that deep shot. And, and this is how I believe you have to do it. You have to convert at least your 35 to 40% on third down. Keep the Rams offense off the field, not because you're scared of them, because you won't necessarily be able to match score for score if your run game isn't going. But I do have faith in that uh, uh, Bengals defensive line where they can also put some pressure. That, uh, that kid from uh, New Orleans they signed, uh, Hendrickson, He's been a baller this year, and he's just yep. not even talked about. If they can give some pressure, look what they did to Mahomes in that second half in that AFC Championship game. That, to me, was the adjustments were absolutely phenomenal. They were confusing with the safeties. You do this to Matthew Stafford, he might throw a few picks, give you a couple possessions back to Joey B. And yeah, I want to just for, real quickly uh, just say one thing about Mixon. The fact that he probably could be slowed down you know, as a runner, since week 16, 
he's had just as many targets as he had any other week total before mm-hmm. that. So the fact that he's being used so much more as a receiver over the last four to five weeks, it helps to, to at least give the Bengals some leeway if that run game does really get slowed down. Yeah, I smashed the over. It's like 24 receiving yards for Mix, and I'm it, like, it's like over. 23. It's like 23 and a half. It's ridiculous. Like, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Take as bet much a fa- as you get. Bet a thousand on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the the Bengals. Here's the thing: manageable, manageable third downs, and you do not miss your shots. Yes. If the Rams give you an opportunity, you have to take it. If we go back to this game and we say. Burrow overthrew Chase, or this ball was dropped, or somebody got underthrown, or somebody slipped and fell. If we go back and look at that, the Bengals aren't winning. They have to make when those shots come, they cannot miss, and they have to have manageable third downs. So then, if they do need to use Mixon in third downs and and short, or little dump offs to him, or a little crossing route with Tyler Boyd, high percentage pass play, so you can get the ball out quickly, so you don't have Miller and Donald hanging all over you. They do that; they're going to have a shot, but they've got to do that. I'm just pulling up the Rams' schedule right now because I want to see how many times they blew out somebody this season, and I mean. Because it was majority of their games were still competitive, and and I think not only with the Stafford potential turnover, yes, Cooper Cup is going to be a problem. Yes, OBJ is likely. I mean, I'm terrified for Eli Apple's life too, man. He's been talking way too much trash, man. He's talking to Tyreek and Hardman because oh, what you made you made one play and your your chatter is up, man. Come on, man. Like you can't be doing uh... that. You know. I'm looking at four games right now throughout the regular season where they beat a team by about by by a, two touchdowns or more. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm but how many that. games did they have where it was like, how in the hell did the Rams lose to them? Exactly. There was a, there was a few. Yeah. Were there a few games where it was like, how did they lose that game? And a lot of them were, were close games that, you know, yeah. where they were at least eight points or, or under where they had a chance to win that game. Though all the losses that they did have throughout the season – they were all against playoff teams. Right. That's good. Correct. I mean, Detroit kept them close in week seven. You had Houston keep them close for a little bit in week nine. Uh, week Maybe eight. it wasn't necessarily that they lost. It was how did they almost lose that game? Yeah. Why is it? Why is this game more competitive than it has to be? Yeah. Yeah. And the teams that they blew out were, you know, the Bears, the Giants, the Jaguars. The Lions, were, the Lions were still pretty close, you know. The Jaguars. I mean, they blew out the Jaguars. The Bills couldn't even do that. Like, come on. Hey, come. What? Oh, oh, we're not even talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We're, we're ending this bitch right now because <laughs> that just happened. happened. Why you got to bring it up, man? You know, the the wounds are still open. You're just dropping salt in like madman. So official predictions. Fuck. Official predictions. Mm-hmm. What do we got? What's the lineup? So the line right now, so we have uh, Rams are minus four and a half with a game total of 48 and a half. It's only and 48 and a half. Yeah, it was 50 and a half to start the week and it's already dropped. Do I hate that under? I don't hate that under. I don't hate the under. I like so I like the I like the Bengals at plus four and a half. I agree. I like that, too. I'm thinking like a. am thinking like Rams 33, 24. Yeah, you know, mm, I could see it being I could I could I could see it being a high scoring game. But if I if I had to make a score prediction, I'm going to say. I'm I'm going to say. Bengals 21. 
Rams 17. Wow. Defense. Oh, you're taking the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals. Okay. Wow. You're not even taking the Bengals to cover. You're taking I'm taking the money line, man. baby. Okay. Look at this guy, man. He's putting it all on the line. Okay. Mortgage in the house. God, this is a, this is a toughie, man, because, you know, it just you feel like if they get but they did it against Kansas City. They were down, what, 21-3? Twice they did it versus Kansas City. Yeah. Ah, man, Joey B. You know, I got to say, I'm going to go with the Rams 33 to 30. I think I think we'll see that shootout in that fourth quarter. I think it's I would love to see a high scoring game. I, I think it'll start slow, and I think it'll like like Kyle, you're saying. I think it's going to edge up in that third end of the third. You're going to see a couple big shots, a big couple mm-hmm. plays, and that that one turnover is going to be massive in this game. And I know yep. it's cliche, we say it all the time, but in this contest, that one extra possession is going to be massive. And I think that's going to be a key for the Rams too. You know, with Matthew Stafford not get into that you know that quote unquote hero you know, mode for him and to force the issue because he's done such a good job this postseason at, you know, really limiting the turnovers, taking care of the football, making the right decisions. And so I really hope that he can, you know, keep that continuing into the Super Bowl because that's the Stafford that we like to see. Yeah. Is there any concern for Matthew Stafford putting up a stinker? Yeah. Against he's the getting, Bengals secondary? But, but he's getting not. Up. Just just mental mistakes because, you know, he's getting up in age. I've been thinking about this one all week already, and it's only uh, freaking Tuesday. <laughs> I'm like, can is the, the stage isn't too big for Stafford. I'm not trying to say it that way, but he knows father time is not on his side, and he really wants this game. Like Kyle's even saying, he's playing for Detroit, man. Like all those years, these guys, the mm-hmm. whole Detroit is going to be, you know, cheering for the Rams. Joey B is at that age where he may not understand the magnitude of the platform. And and that may make him play in that Joe Cool form. I just that's one aspect of it that I'm gonna you know be what? watching early on, and I'm very curious to see what Stafford's gonna do. I just think I'm, there's there's something about Joe Burrow, and there's there are people like this where they're just unfaced. That's right. They, they understand everything that's going on around them, but they don't they don't care. And here's where I'm gonna make the comparison here. Joe Burrow is Michael Jordan, Matthew Stafford is LeBron James. Interesting. Both Hmm. great players, but you know, LeBron James puts way more pressure on himself than what Michael Jordan ever did. Michael Jordan, cool, calm, collected, you know, he clutch, clutch all these games. That's the same way that Joe Burrow thinks. Matthew Stafford thinks more along the lines of LeBron James. You can see it where sometimes it's not that the moment gets to them because mm-hmm. I don't think for most professional athletes moments get to them. I think they just put so much pressure on themselves. They just try to do too much. And that's where I think this comparison lies is that that is my concern for Stafford is if this game is super close or if all of a sudden the Rams are playing from behind and Stafford's like, Son, like I, they made this trade. They gave up a first round pick. They brought me here to win this. Now we're not going to win it. Now I've got to step up, throws the pick. Now things just railroad. So it's not that I don't think the moment would be too big for him. I just think he, all of a sudden he's just like, like, I got to do this. Right. I got to do this. And it just leads to a mistake. That would concern me. This is what doesn't concern me for Matthew Stafford. Okay. Um, Matthew Stafford is 34 years old. He hasn't won a Super Bowl before, right? He's going for his first one. He has a great defense behind him. He has a good offense that he's playing with. 
You know who else was in the same situation at age 34 that had a great defense with a good offense surrounding him that won a Super Bowl for the first time? Eli Manning. Brad motherfucking Johnson oh. in 2003. Matthew Stafford is going <laughs> to be Brad one. Johnson, right? And also another quarterback who didn't win a Super Bowl was a little, not later in their careers, but probably like early 30s, Trent Dilfer, okay? The stage is never too big for guys like that. It's not going to be too big. Those guys, though, they knew their role not to give up the game. Come on. We got to talk about Stafford with Dilfer. Man, wash your mouth out, man. Detroit's coming for you. I I, mean, I I made it sweeter with Brad Johnson as well. Okay? They're, Damn. they're honestly, Damn. they're a dro- they're an easy drop pass away. I mean, that ball that Stafford tried to throw to Van Jefferson two weeks ago. That, who was it? Who dropped it? Yeah, the the one defensive back. Yeah, yeah. Who the I'm hell trying was to that? think. I'm trying to think who it was, but I can't remember. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, against uh, Tampa Bay. Yes. Yeah. Um, was it Hargraves? No, I don't I think so. I can't remember it. But I mean, it freaking hit him button. in the chest, like yeah, right, it, right, right in his bread basket. It hit him and it bounced away. Like that's how close the Rams are to not playing. And it was again, it wasn't that it wasn't that the moment was too big. It wasn't anything. It was just Stafford tried to make something that wasn't there. He's a gunslinger. He's always been. He's closer mm-hmm. to Brett Favre than mm-hmm. he is any other quarterback. I mean, the dude will let it rip if he thinks there is an opportunity. And in the Super Bowl, it's, you know, in that type of a stage, if they're down by 10 to the Bengals in the third quarter and Stafford's like, man, we got to get on the board here. Like it's getting late in the game and he tries to force something to Jefferson down the field and it turns into an interception. Things could snowball quickly at that point. So that's what concerns me about Stafford. And he's my boy. I love, I love Matty S. I love him, but he, I, he is that he's a gunslinger. He will let it rip if he sees an opportunity and it, it could cost him. I've said I, it if, more than more than once on this show. And we've said it how many times he's one tough son of a bitch. He yes. can freaking take hits, mm-hmm. yep. get up and throw with a half arm like that shoulder game. Remember his shoulder popped yep. out and he still threw that yeah. touchdown. Like that's how tough he is. The other aspect, I know you were going to say something on this one probably, but I mean the other, but the other aspect is the coaching staff. You got Sean McVay, you got Zach Taylor. Taylor's under the tree of McVay. Student becomes the teacher or the teacher dominates the student. And I mean, I love this angle because now we're talking about head coaches in the league. And, you know, a lot of people say, why aren't these coaches getting the looks? And it's because of who's winning. Shanahan and McVay tree right now is dominating the coaching hires. And there's reason for that because the league is morphing to create better than the Belichick tree. Exactly. Get rid of the Belichick tree because it ain't working. I have a shrub outside that's better than the Belichick tree. Thank you. (laughs) The shrub, man, he's greener and, you know, it smells better. But I mean, this is this is part of it. So will McVay because we've seen McVay do this where he gets in his own place a little bit and he's like, damn it. And he tries to compound something on a negative and it, it fails more. I'm not I don't know if Zach Taylor has that cool comment collected in him because we've seen him get vanilla at times. This is going to be interesting in the coaching aspect as well. One thing I wanted to ask you, Kyle, is I see and the, the, the listeners don't can't see this, but behind Kyle, he has some autographed jerseys and there is one open square. If Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl, will that get filled with a Lions Stafford jersey? No, I wouldn't. I would not disrespect him like that. If I get a Stafford jersey, I will get a Rams one. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Why don't you have a Stafford Detroit jersey? That's a great question. I just, 
I never ended up getting one because I mean, everything I have back there is from pristine auction. And I mm-hmm. just never like found like a Stafford one that I wanted to get. Um, That's they were at Walmart on the sales rack. Yes. And then, <laughs> in the, well, in the then, yeah, then it's like, oh man, he could get traded. So I was like, I don't want to buy. Plus I've got this weird thing about wanting to put too much lion stuff in here because I don't want people to be like, oh, look at this dude. He's a lion's homer. Wow. So I just, fair. Yeah, what, a, fair. What, what about all my bill stuff? So what do, what are you in insinuating? We know, we know you're a homer, but you Christ. do have a lion's helmet. Right. There. I do because you do. you do see it's nice, man. It's the, it's the, what do you call it? The I've got Barry up here though representing i've got uh, nice i like two her. barry sanders bobbleheads ram that calvin johnson one rem got me that one for my birthday a couple of years ago he's right there yep. i don't nice. know if you can see him he's right there hi calvin hey man yeah i got the color rush detroit line i'm more detroit than you are at this point what the hell's going on man You've got one mini helmet, all right. That I've got, shit's collector's piece. <laughs> I've got piece. Dad Bob San- I've got Dad Dad Bob's Dad Bob Sanders up there. I can't even say it. I got a collector's <laughs> piece that I don't even know. I took it out of the box. Damn it, Bob Sanders. Now that's a that's that's someone who could hit. Oof. Bob I'm I'm saving a spot. Bob Sanders. Ooh, I'm saving a spot name. on the wall though, in case Jake were to be like, you know what, Kyle, I'm going to send you this autographed Barry Sanders seat. You know, no. just. You know, surprises oh, me for my birthday or something like that. <laughs> just dropping nice. hints. That'd be nice of him. Jake has to sell his house just to get that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> just break in when he's not home and we'll just take it. Be like, hey, we don't know what happened, man. It just, you know, fell out the window. Boys, we got to the end of the season. Can you believe it, man? Football is over on Sunday. I am. I'm in shock. I, I can't I'm, believe it. I'm but sad. But I'm also really excited. Pro days. Draft, exactly. Combine. Exactly. We don't I'm stop, excited. man. 365, 24-7 in this piece. If you guys don't know, headliner you, baby. We are dropping scouting reports very soon. We're doing all the rookies, mock drafts. God, I love it. it the offseason is, mm. is fun. So it's much fun. so fun. And it is. So, it, it's you great. get a chance to kind of get out of that. After doing like the same thing for eight, well, 18 weeks this year, doing the same thing for 18 weeks just to – kind of get back to it and you know do a little bit more film grinding and to talk about my it just it it's refreshing and i think that's why this part of the year is so much fun for us because and you know that's one thing that you know i've i've really wanted to try and establish the last couple of years is that we're not just a fantasy football organization here that we truly do understand the game of football from a lot of different perspectives and i think Mm -hmm. you know headliner you does a great job of showcasing that um, you know, I, that's, that's going to continue to showcase that. And that's why this year, you know, this time of the year is so much fun. Cause we get to switch from looking at like the, the fantasy football aspect to more of the real aspect as well, and get to kind of showcase some of our knowledge there. And I was, I was just going to say that Kyle, between the mock drafts that you do on the main channel and, you know, Chouse's mocks on headliner, you all the scouting reports and the pro days that, you know, that are done. It's great because we are able to kind of take a step back from the fantasy view mm-hmm. and kind of take that step forward into the actual football view so that people who may not play fantasy football or aren't as invested as other people there, but still love football, they can still subscribe to the channel and still be able to, you know, get, you know, our opinions on who we think would be a great fit for their personal team. 
Yeah. And you know, you know what I love about it most is the, the correlation it has to fantasy football. Even though fantasy's done, the building aspect, the scouting aspect, all of it has relevance to fantasy football and what how you can dominate. Mm-hmm. We are students of the game. I love this game more than anything, almost. God number one, family two, football three. I mean, I you say, make sure your wife hears something. Okay. She's in there. <laughs> you know, it's a close one, man. I got to look over my shoulder. But I mean, this is what we do, and it's. I, I'm excited. I, I love the off season as well. I can't wait to you know grind it all up, man. I'm gonna be in that film room, the lab. It's gonna be my home for the next what six months, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't wait. Just get yeah, that. Light I think bulb I messaged you so. guys the other night when I was doing my first mock draft. I was like, oh my god, I love getting mm-hmm. back to this. So it, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun this time of the year. You know, hopefully we'll have a combine this year. I think they plan on it anyway. Yep. So. You know, that will be, we won't get to, I'm sure we won't get to go into it. They probably won't let anybody in, but uh, definitely, you know, this is, this is a great time of the year. It's, and, and like you said, it, even though we are talking normal football and kind of bouncing back and forth, you know, if anybody is into fantasy, it's still, you know, this is a way to get a heads up on, on your league mates. You know, you're going to name, know the name of deep rookies. I mean, how many people were actually legitimately thinking that Amon Ross St. Brown was a guy to hold on to if you, you know, if, if you hadn't been talking about him so much on headline or you, I didn't like him as much as you did. You definitely liked him a lot more than me. I had some worries, but I know that there, you know, in a couple of waiver wire videos I did, I was like, you know, Chouse called it with this dude, you know, mm-hmm. go get him. It looks like they're trying to get him more involved now. So it does, it does correlate and everybody gets a little piece of the pie. And it also, it also does, you know, kind of balance itself out. Um, I mean, there's there's one Mr. Gregory Rousseau that comes to mind as far as yes. maybe one person was higher than the other. So it, it happens, yeah. man. It, see, that's why scouting books need to be compared. It just uh, give that one to Kyle. I was down on Rousseau. He was up and to, was, to be fair, I was also a little bit down on, on Rousseau. So I'm <laughs> hey, not man, you were the is, only one. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, I was high on Ramondre. You were low on Ramondre. It, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, Ramondre was a nice surprise. Love and some and you turned me on to Ramondre's tape at the beginning, Kyle. So see how this works? Just listen. It all goes we, for a circle. It does. Just listen to what we say and we're good. And the reason I watched Ramondre Stevenson is because two of my buddies that live in Oklahoma, like last year, they're like, this dude's going to come out. No one's going to talk about him. Go watch his tape. And I went and watch his tape. I was like, oh, my God, this dude yeah. could be really good. Yeah. And you're like, go watch his film. I went and watched like four games. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. But boys, enjoy the game. This will be the season. I hope everybody, you know, have a good time. Do it responsibly and, and you know, watch some football for one last time for the season. But we'll close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in to all listeners. Thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.